Our scripture this morning <clears throat> is from Judges, excuse me, starting uh, chapter 2, verse 6, the death of Joshua. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his, of his inheritance in Timnath-Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So Keith mentioned 100 days of prayer. I think in your bulletins, you would have received this little flyer. You got that? Can you show me? Can you hand me? Can you wave those in the air, everybody? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to very pedantically walk you through what you need to do. Um, if you're part of this congregation, we want you to sign up for this. So this is, you know, normally everything in this world is like you get to choose. And, of course, you do get to choose. But you should do this. And, and particularly if you're part of Sutherland Church, we'd like you to be praying each day. Uh, I'm a little reticent, even as minister in this place, to say we're only praying about what's going to happen with Sutherland. Uh, I think that prayer often needs to be much more open than that. And so, really, we're going to pray. People ask, what's the 100 Days of of Prayer program? Well, it's something that's recommended to some people that are recommended by some people that are doing some consulting with us, Vision Ministries. And as we look to the future and what's going to happen in this place and with this building... Um, they've said, you should try this program that we've done called 100 Days of Prayer, and then they have like a thousand different elements to it. But basically, um, and we're really simplifying it, it boils down to a few things. You agree to pray each day, and then those of you who are able, hopefully most, but get into groups of three, and we can help with assigning some of those, and you meet with those three people a number of times during that 100 days to simply pray together. We give you some guidance to some things to pray about, but of course it's open as well. The idea is that then, well, and during that time, once at least during, and then at the end of the 100 days, we meet to basically say to one another um, what's happening in prayer. And we trust that God will guide us through prayer much more so even at times than he will through kind of like, let's list the 10 different things we could do that we listen together. And so, yes, we're saying, if you're a part of this church, we'd like you to fill this out. You can do that now and uh, drop it at the back afterwards. We had a good number of people sign up last week, but many of you weren't here last week. And so if you haven't signed up yet, please do. Um, Of course, all participation in this obviously is voluntary. We're not going to hassle you or anything like that. But uh, we really would love you to be part of it. And I say that to people like myself as well, because sometimes what happens is that leaders forget to sign up, right? And so if you are here and you're leading, make sure you get one of those in as well. So, prayers of blessing. This sermon series that the the real title for it is simply prayer, but we've added this subtitle, Engaging with God for the Good of the World. Here's the idea. That prayer is something that can make an enormous difference in your life. 
Last week we asked the question, do we have a prayer? And I expanded that question by saying, would you be okay if you were prayerless? What I mean is that a lot of people in our world, and I'm not criticizing, this is something that would be almost automatic, but a number of people in our world would think, well, prayer, you're going to talk to God? That's kind of crazy. And sometimes we can live our lives as if we're okay being prayerless. I don't know how often you pray or how much you pray or if prayer is something that's continually happening in your life. Are you okay being prayerless? Here's my contention. And you shouldn't do this just to get a better life. We, that doesn't, it doesn't usually work well that way. But here's my contention. That if you are prayerful, you will experience much more of the fullness and vitality of life and you will be able to be a greater blessing to others. So you could ask yourself that. Am I okay being prayerless or would I rather have a prayer? For me, I can notice that I can recognize it. Even I was up early this morning and I listened to scripture readings in the morning. I don't, like, I don't just read them. I, I like listening to the word recorded. So I listened to this. Um, and, and so I thought, oh, I, I don't feel like doing that right now. I'll do the dishes or something. Or do. And I thought, no, I, I'm... And as, as I entered into this, like it's uh, Old Testament or a Psalm, Old Testament and New Testament and prayers in between, and I just felt, right, this is who I am. I'm much, much better, I think, when I'm prayerful. So we're going to invite you to become more prayerful, that's all. It's not a duty, it's not a task, it's an invitation. And today, prayers of blessing. First thing to know about blessing prayer is that blessing moves us to a relationship to and with the world rather than away from and against the world. Did you get that? Blessing prayer engages us to and with the world instead of away from and against the world. Blessing prayer reminds us that we are called to the world. For God so loved the world. In some ways, you could say that prayer starts with blessing. I don't know how it is for you, and we each have different temperaments in this place, but something that I feel I have recognized also in many other people, and that's when you're brought up in religious kind of communities, you can pick up, and this isn't only Christian, by the way, but you can pick up sometimes a lot of stances against things. In fact, you can begin to believe that religion is mostly against. And then you live this faith long enough and even become a pastor, and you think, I'm tired of being against things. I want a faith that calls me to, towards. And this is a a shift that I have made in my life by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. There are many things to be against. I'm not saying that that's not the case but that the primary engine of your faith is towards. Many of you have people in your families who have walked away from the Christian faith for various reasons, but one of the reasons some people have is that they were tired of being against things or feeling like people were against them. Blessing prayer calls us towards The foundation of blessing prayer is with God. Blessing starts with God. Here's why we read the book of Judges as the text for this morning. It's really because it's 
offers a foundation of blessing that was missed and lost. The Judges text, Judges, Joshua and Judges go together in Scripture. They're often thought of as kind of one book. Joshua takes over from Moses in leading the people from and then into the promised land. And in, you get the settling in the land. But then in Judges, you get another chaotic and lawless kind of era. So God's people have moved from slavery and then this journey through the deserts and then entering the land, this land of promise. But then they've really messed up in, in many, many ways. And so they've fallen again into chaos. All happens in this window and the clue at the beginning as to how did they get from promise and blessing to chaos and kind of some kind of anarchy is that if you go, if you can do this, if you have your Bible with you, just a couple pages, or even you might just turn the page once before what Aaron read. So in Judges chapter 2 here, if you just go back to the end of Joshua here, you get that famous part of Scripture where Joshua calls on the people, who are you going to serve? There's all kinds of gods in this land. We could say the same thing here. Here it would be mammon, money, wealth, right? And Joshua, as the people are settling in the land, says, I just have a question for you. Who are you going to serve? And they're like, well, serve God. And Joshua's basically like, you're answering that way too easily. Easily, You're probably not going to. And then he says, and you know, many of you know these words, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the end of the book of Joshua. The beginning of the book of Judges, where you're going to get this uh, cycle of chaos over and over again, starts with these words that Aaron read to us, that Joshua's generation died. These people who had made these promises and lived these promises before God. And then another generation grew up, and depending on the translation you have, the one that I remember in my mind says, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And so then, that's kind of a, a, an interpretive key. So what happens is, people grew up, another generation, who didn't have this connection to God in the way that Joshua and others did. And as they grew up, it says, this is what Aaron didn't read, but it comes later, so they turned and served the gods of the land around them. And it descended into chaos. And the repeated line in the book of Judges, and you know, when I say don't read Scripture, I mean read Scripture, but I'm warning you kind of. Judges is a really gross book. There's all kinds of um, excess and terrible sin and psychotic behavior and, and just violence. And, but there's a repeated refrain in the book of Judges that says that in those days there was no king and everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. It's all connected back to this. They didn't know the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, here's why I tell you that in relation to blessing. Because the first step with blessing is to remember and to consider and to recount. So we make it trite, right? Now you got the song in your head already? Count your blessings, count them one by one. I don't know the rest. I don't know the rest of that song. But count your blessings, count them one by one. It's the trite way of saying blessing starts with remembering that blessing comes from God. If I don't know that blessing comes from God and that I and the world and indeed are, are blessed, then I can't pronounce that kind of blessing towards and upon others. Is blessing conferred 
or recognized. And so then, with all of our structures and wanting to set things up in human categories and kind of hierarchy, we say, who has the right to bless? So the pastor can bless, and there's still some places, usually it's older crowds, like if I go to Evergreen or Cedarview, those people love to be blessed by a minister, right? And so I'll say something like, can I pray blessing upon you now? Oh, yes, thank you, pastor. Most of them also tend to know what it's like to deal with struggle and difficulty. I was going to say other people aren't the same, but actually most people who you ask, can I pray a prayer of blessing, say yes. But it starts with recognizing that God blesses us. So is blessing conferred or recognized? Well, the answer to that, you guys will always want answers. Is it this or that? And the truth is that it's usually kind of the energy between the discussion that actually where you find the truth. So is blessing conferred or is it recognized? And the answer is yes. I confer blessing as much as I can by first recognizing blessing from God. And then what I do is this. I say, Heavenly Father, open my eyes that I could see that everyone around me is a blessing and that they are blessed. So let me try this test with you. Think of a person in your life with whom you struggle relationally or emotionally. It's better if this person is in your family. But it doesn't have to be that way. Someone who maybe you love deeply. So sometimes it can be a parental relationship to a child or the other way around. And now ask God, God, would you show me what a blessing they are? See that? See how you forget to do that when you think about how they disappoint you? Or you wish something different? Lord God, I this is a confession. We confess many of the wrong things. This is a confession to say, you mean I've lived all my life in this family and so often I have forgotten to see the blessing right before me? See how that is conferred, recognized both. So the minister says, I bless you as if some kind of holiness is held and passed on, but that's not really what's happening. It's can I confer upon you the blessing that I first recognized. For Jewish people, blessing is part particularly observant Jews. They're supposed to pronounce at least 100 blessings a day. We could do 100 days of prayer and 100 days of 100 blessings. What's 100 times 100? It's like 7 billion, something like that. The, the point is, it's a lot. 100 days of blessing, their word is bracha or brachoth is plural. And observant Jews, at least 100 blessings a day. Uh, Richard Lalau, one of the books that he's read recently that he really likes is called An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor, who was at one time a, a minister herself. And I'm getting some of this from that book. She points out this hundred blessings a day and points out that one of her favorite blessings is the blessing upon bread. And so, I think I've got it on the screen there. In Hebrew, so I don't want to butcher this up, but you can see what it says in Hebrew. Can you pronounce those words? Adonai, I got that one. Eloheinu, melech ha'alot. Yeah, we could call Allah, he would get it. Ha'amati lehem min ha'aretz. Here's the English. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. 
Somehow that's a blessing upon the bread, but it's also recognizing that that is blessed by God with whom it all starts. In Christian faith, so that's Jewish faith, we ought to respect the differences between uh, our faiths. In Christian faith, where we would focus on salvation in Jesus Christ, there's another engine to this blessing. And that is that it, in, for Christians, it's Jesus Christ who represents God's blessing to the world. In other words, the way that I know as a Christian that God is for the world and not against the world is Jesus. You, many religious people, so often try to convince us that God's against the world. But if God was against the world, there wouldn't be Jesus. I did not come to condemn, but to save. And Jesus Christ, you want to get a picture of Jesus in blessing? Of course, the most poignant one is Jesus blessing the children, right? Where the text, this is in Mark 10 and Matthew 19, Luke 18. You can look these up and read them. You'll be edified by doing so. Mark 10, Matthew 19, Luke 18. Uh, People, parents, bring their little children to Jesus and they're asking for some kind of prayer or blessing. And Jesus' disciples, like his staff, right, they stop it and they say, because in those days, kids were just thought of as a nuisance. Some people still think that way. I mean, we've we've done the other. Some people think of them as a nuisance and others, they're like the center of the universe. There's nothing bad about any kid ever, right? It's... And Jesus Christ, when, they, when these disciples try to stop the kids from coming, Jesus says, no, 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 let them come to me. Suffer the children to come unto me, whatever translation you remember. And he blesses them. He blesses them so much that he says, see how he dignifies them? He knows that they are thought of almost entirely in that culture as nuisance. And he says, unless you become like one of these, can you picture him holding that child? You can't know. You can't enter the kingdom. We bless in this world because Jesus Christ calls us to and because that is what he does. It can get ridiculous, right? I was hearing a comedian talk about those other things. But she she was raised really religiously. She's not anymore. Or she's struggled with it, whatever. But she in the American South... And she talked about what's the one thing that seems to iron... You can gossip like crazy. You can, you can attack other people verbally. You know, in, in somebody else's presence, you can say, you know what so-and-so did and all that kind of thing. As long as at the end you say, oh, bless her soul. Right? So it can become hollow and empty too. I'm not calling after that. Jesus Christ truly blessed the world. And every small blessing is a reflection of this larger truth that Jesus Christ is for the world. And so, here's what we're going to do. Sutherland Church, and if you're visitors among us, you take this up too. We're going to ask God to help us become better at blessing. You can start by saying grace. And it doesn't have to be a lengthy grace. What matters is that you're counting God's blessing. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this food. It's really simple how to start. But what I wanted to look at is to let you know some of the results of blessing in your own life. I've said to you, what if you were prayerful instead of prayerless? What if tomorrow you determined, I want to be prayerful today because I've been pretty prayerless lately. We're going to give you a place to start. 
What do I do to be prayerful? Oh, I know. At church, they told me I need to bless things. Let's start there. But here's what's going to happen in your life. Remember St. Augustine, last week we said that St. Augustine, his view of prayer was not that prayer was primarily about getting things and, and having answers in that way, but prayer was, first of all, it illuminated and transformed. It's illuminative and transformative. So as you become more prayerful, you're, you become illuminated, your eyes open, and you yourself become transformed. You grow. So what's the first thing that happens you notice, you wake up. I'm going to give you a trigger warning here. I'm going to tell a story in a few minutes that Jen might get upset that I'm telling. So that ought to be interesting. Anyway, I'm just realizing I didn't ask her for permission. So anyhow. Um, the first thing that happens as you bless is that you notice and you wake up. And you, I can have, you might have this too, marks in my life that I remember as I think about that. What does it mean to wake up? I remember, oh, I remember one time I experienced that. You know what it was, the one I remember? It was when I was driving, not riding my bike, but driving on the Stanley Park Causeway towards North Vancouver. And I don't know if they just closed a lane or something. Have you ever driven that and it just gets crazy? Like every person for themselves, like everybody hates the other person, right? And it's just all this jostling. And it was busy and something, and it was bad enough, and then it got worse. And all through the causeway, and you're supposed to, supposed to move at least then. And then we came up over the crest of the bridge. Like you come out of the causeway, and it was a beautiful day. I think it had just rained, but it was like lit up. And I remember thinking, and trust me, I'd probably been one of the really angry, frustrated people just a minute before. But something in the Holy Spirit woke me up as we crested that, as I crested the, the bridge. And I looked at the mountains and the water before me. And something that what came in my head was the whole earth is full of his glory. And I could have missed it. I could have carried only my frustration. And sometimes I have, and maybe sometimes, maybe many times you have. Blessing, when you're seeking, when you're looking, recognizing God's blessings, opens your eyes to what was right in front of you, but you didn't know because your head was full of you. How do I miss this? And it can be different in so many ways. My wife, Jennifer, is a, an educational assistant at a local school. Some time ago, and this person will remain totally anonymous, I don't know who the person is, so I can't say that. Uh, but Jen came home a while back. It wasn't recent, honestly. And if you know Jen, you know that she's one of the nicest, most easygoing people in the world, and that's entirely true. And so she told me something happened today at work that was quite interesting. I said, oh, what was that? So her job is to help kids, sometimes particularly kids who might need a little extra help. And she said, one of the little boys wrote me a note. I said, oh, and often Mrs. Weeb gets wonderful notes. Thank you for this or whatever, right? She said, here's what the note said. So it's supposed to be Mrs. Weeb, that's, right? The note simply said, Mrs. Weed is a ditch. <laughs> It's a great little note. The furthest thing that Miss, she's furthest from being a ditch. Now you have to translate that, right? And I thought I knew what Jen, well, maybe not right away because she is human after all, but I knew it wouldn't take long after Jen received that note and it's the spirit in which she passed the information on to me that she was able to think of the blessing 
in this little boy's life. Lord, and then, somehow a prayer. Would you bless that little child? What's going on there? Open my eyes. All these things can become occasions for blessing. Even points of frustration. Blessing prayer opens up reality and truth and joy and light to us. What are the things that you're worried about in your family? As we mentioned before, where do you wish that things were different or that people around you were doing something different or being different than they are? Do you know that it's such a key part of the spiritual life to let go of those things? God, let me know and see your blessing now so that I can be truly present for them, so they don't think they have to perform for me or earn my love. Now, why do you act like that? Because that's how God blessed you. Marilyn Robinson, one of my favorite authors, and Barbara Brown Taylor echoes this. She calls this, Marilyn Robinson does, the givenness of things. Can you try to remember that? The givenness of things. What is the givenness of things? The givenness of things and people is that they are blessed by God. So when you're trying to make sense of that other person, particularly the person who disagrees with you or believes differently than you do, or even cast themselves as your opponent or even your enemy, what is the given thing about them? That they are loved by God. Now you can bless them instead of curse them. The second result of blessing prayer is that fear loses its grip. And this would be a wonderful invitation to many of you in this place. I'm not saying that thinking of particular people. I'm saying that because it's astounding that even even us in this part of the world now, we can be so absolutely oppressed and held by fear. You want good things to happen, but you're afraid of bad things. When I'm... I wasn't going to get through this sermon without a cycling illustration. It had to happen. When I'm riding my bike, you know, the thing that I, one of the things I want least to happen, a flat tire. Because they're a real pain. And sometimes you don't have the right stuff to fix it or whatever, or it's cold and hard to fix, hard to get that tire off. Eight days ago, I, on like, so not yesterday, but a week ago Saturday, I was doing a bit of a ride to Whistler, like from Alice Lake to yesterday was the Fondo. And so I was getting ready. And, and I can often think, I don't want to flat, I don't want to flat. And then you do the same thing too, so don't judge me. I'll even pray. Lord God, don't let me have a flat. And then I'll see like other people by the side of the road with flats. And I'm like, I guess they didn't pray. No, I'm kidding. I don't. I'll say, bless you. <laughs> um, bless your heart. Um, yesterday I did the whole thing, no flat. But lots of people had flats. I was actually nervous. I wrote this sermon a number of days ago, and I thought, so this is before the ride yesterday, and I thought, if I put this in the sermon, I'm going to get a flat tire. But God was thought of other things. Eight days ago, though, when I was riding, I'm just getting into Whistler. I'm by myself at this point. There's not, a, you know, 4,000 people riding, and I hear in the back tire, I thought something's in the brakes or something, and then all of a sudden I can feel it flat. And, but there was a bike shop right there. It'll always work that way. No, it won't always work that way. Here's how fear loses its grip. 
This is, it's easy with flats and small things. Of course, as I speak this, it's hard, much harder with more difficult things. But there's many, many times that I do get flat tires and things don't go like I want them to go. And the challenge always then, as I'm changing that, as I'm frustrated, is to say, Heavenly Father, even now help me see your blessing. Now magnify that, what it, whatever it is. Take a silly little ridiculous thing like a flat tire on your bike and magnify it to whatever you're dealing with right now. How could this be a blessing that I'm standing here on the side of the road? But fear loses its grip when you realize that God is with you even in the things that you didn't want to happen. But you can't get there if you don't open up to blessing. I was so held in fear, you could say to yourself, And what does that do? That fear makes you fail to see God's blessing that was all around you. And as you open yourself up to seeing the blessing, what happens? The fear loses its grip. One of my favorite ways of saying this is an old kind of comedic writer who died not that long ago named Kurt Vonnegut. Some of you would have read Vonnegut's stuff. Uh, Wrote some famous stuff in the 60s and 70s and right up until a few years ago. Vonnegut said, I've told you this before, but it's good to remember. Vonnegut said, I don't believe in God, but when I stand before God after I die, I love that. (laughs) I don't believe in God, but when I do stand before God after I die, one of the first questions I'm going to ask is, God, what was the good news and what was the bad news? Because I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? So then you can do the thing that we do, that, well, maybe you got the flat tire because you would have been in an accident if you hadn't. You know what I mean? God, what was the good news and what was the bad news? You see what, what he means by that and what we would say in our Christian faith is you let go of results and instead you say, in whatever happens today, let me see your blessing and the fear loses its grip. There have been some studies done. I, didn't, I don't have any that I've cited here. I just didn't look them up, but I've read them before. Studies that basically follow people who something really, really good happened to them and something really, really bad happened to somebody else around the same time. So someone wins a lottery and somebody suffers an injury that causes paralysis. Okay? And they follow these people five, ten years out. And you know what they realize? The happiness levels reported are in many cases the same a couple or a few years later. And in extraordinarily, sometimes the people who suffered the terrible thing report much higher levels of happiness than people who had the good thing happen. Now, you already know, of course, that makes sense if you examine it. When you open yourself up to recognize blessing, fear loses its grip. Blessing is not trite. It's not only simply good things. It's blessing over all. It takes our eyes off of ourself and onto God. And blessing becomes something for the good of the world. Finally, blessing prayer allows us to start doing what God does This is a really delicate thing for a minister to say because you you don't want to confuse you and God. Uh, All kinds of horrible things happen in church history when that takes place, when we think that all of our behavior is somehow sanctified by God. But this one we can be pretty confident about. Blessing prayer allows us to start doing what God does because what God does is bless the world in Jesus Christ. So a version of Christian faith that we've mentioned seems to imply that God is mostly upset all of the time, at most of the time, at most people. And so religion can help us to live like that, unfortunately. 
where, where we think we're, we ought to mostly be upset. Blessing prayer can help to correct this. I'm not making a stance on one thing or another. I'm saying simply, you ask God, help me to bless rather than to curse. God loves and turns towards us, not away from us. How do I know this? I said before, I know this because of Jesus Christ. In this world, there's enough complaints. There's enough of people being against one another. Wouldn't it be great if the Christian church was recognized as something that is for people? Trust me, I'm really good at being against things and pointing out what's wrong with people. It's kind of a strength. But how does my faith call me to be for people, even for those who don't believe what I believe? There's so much of this againstness. Jen and I went for a walk on Monday, which seems like, you know, two years ago now, because, you know, it's all back to school in September, and it's raining. And, but Monday, Labor Day, was beautiful. Do you remember that? And we went for a walk kind of in and around Stanley Park, English Bay, and everything was perfect. Tons of people. Vancouver has this weird thing where if it reaches past a certain degree temperature and certain amount of sunniness, everybody goes out. But I, because I ride my bike a lot and stuff, I can be out on a rainy day. Nobody's out. They're all, what are they doing? Netflix, I guess. Do you know, let me tell you something. This is just a little aside for church. It's beautiful even on the rainy days. Get outside. But that's not the sermon. So it was a perfect day. And as we're walking along and as we sit on the bench, I do this thing, another confession. I kind of listen to other people's conversations sometimes. Sometimes so much so that Jen can say, are you listening to me? But anyway, one of the things I pick up is, and I heard this in like, I might have been watching for it. Fine, whatever. But it seemed to be in more conversations than not that the nature of the conversation was one person telling another person what was wrong with a third person. May we examine ourselves to not be against, but to bless. Blessing is the antidote to this. So let's take this up. How might it help us as the church? How might becoming better at blessing help us discern what God has us to do in the world and what we should do with this building? Because maybe that discernment would be, Lord God, give us the vision to show us how to be more of a blessing in the world. And build according to that. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Please remember to fill this out and, and just put it on the back table or in the office, on the counter, whatever you think. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this day in which we have come together in worship to celebrate. We pray again for the Voth family and thank you for them. We pray again for those in our midst who are in need or difficulty. And we pray that you would more and more make us people who know what it means that we are blessed by you and that we ought to be a blessing to others and that we ought to pronounce your blessing upon others. Forgive us our sins and open our eyes, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.